Welcome to Beaver Lodge Alliance's sermon podcast. We're so glad to join you. This is the latest sermon. We pray that you would receive encouragement, exhortation, and that Jesus would speak to you through this sermon. Enjoy. So now I have the privilege of introducing our speaker. Carrie LaRock has been a part of our community for uh, around 4.5 years now, almost five. Uh, she currently leads a connect group with her husband. She also leads the women's ministry team with Hillary and Jane. We had the privilege of hearing her speak earlier in the summer when Greg was on sabbatical. And now we get the privilege of hearing from her again. Carrie brings delight and adventure to everyday life. She is a really, really fun person and loves to celebrate people in a way that reflects the heart of Jesus. She has a way of knowing when someone needs a hug, a text, or when someone just actually needs a freshly baked loaf of bread. She loves really, really well. She meets people where they're at, and she walks with them through the hard and wonderful times. Let's welcome Carrie LaRock. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate that a lot. Good morning. Good morning online. It's nice to be seen by you, even though I can't see you. Just let me set up a tiny, tiny bit here. All right. So these last couple weeks, we have been walking through a series. I got too much going on. Just uh, going to bend over. <clears throat> yeah, we've been walking through a series um, that focuses on various points of Jesus' life. Um, the topic being, or the concept being, be like Jesus. And so these points in Jesus' life have been places and spaces where he's interacted with other people um, and invited them into more of him and to understand more of who he is. He sent a very clear message about how we're not only to see people, but also treat them. So when Greg asked me to preach, um, Sorry, I just jumped in. I'm Carrie, by the way, as Amy said. But so hi. <laughs> it's nice to be here. So when Greg asked me to preach, um, he said, just find a passage that speaks to you about a space where Jesus was with and interacting with people and inviting them into more of him. So I spent some time with Jesus, and I picked a passage only to find out that Jesus had already spoken to Pastor Nate about that passage. It was not to be. Didn't know it was a race. Um, but uh, so I went back to the drawing board, and uh, Zacchaeus came to mind a few times. So we're going to talk about Zacchaeus today. And many of you remember the story from your Sunday school days where we sang a little ditty, which I will spare you my singing, but goes like, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed that way, he looked up in the tree, and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I can't do without pointing. I feel like we had to really point or something. For I'm going to your house today. I'm going to your house today. That was all I really knew about the story of Zacchaeus, even up to now. Not much, uh, except for the fact that he was a tax collector, which I didn't really know that that would have been important. Uh, and it was, yes. Yes. One second. Greg's going to help me. Okay, here we go. Uh, yeah, 
So I didn't even know that even that he was a tax collector is basically all I knew in this little song. Um, and I didn't know that that was even a big deal. And it actually really was. So I had a lot of unexpected things going on this week. So I didn't get a PowerPoint made. So you are going to have to pull out your Bible or your phone or whatever you want to use or your memory. If you have the Bible memorized, good for you. Um, and we're going to go to Luke 19, and we're going to read Zacchaeus together, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who knew very little, so let's learn together. So Luke 19, and I'm reading the NIV, okay? So Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. <clears throat> so more than most, Zacchaeus' life was defined by what he did, especially in that time. Um, Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector, so he worked for Rome. And at that time, um, Rome was, I want to say it's not opposition, I forget my word is, but oppressing. Rome was oppressing the Jewish people. Um, so they were really at odds as a culture. So because Zacchaeus was working for Rome, he was actually considered a traitor to his Jewish people. Um, nobody liked him. Nobody wanted anything to do with him. And I'm not sure if they could say it to his face because of the rank that he had in the culture, but I'm sure that they would if they could. The reason that Zacchaeus was disliked was because, not because he was a wealthy man or that he, and not totally because he was working for Rome, although that took a big part of it, it was because the way that tax collectors generally created their wealth was by going to the people and collecting taxes, but asking for more than was actually owed, and then they would pocket the extra. That being said, he was wealthy, but all his wealth couldn't buy him friends. In fact, it was most likely that he didn't really have any friends or any community or social standing at all. Um, from a cultural perspective, tax collectors were considered the lowlife, one of the worst of sinners. And if you look, if you look back at Luke 18, if you guys want to flip there, starting, I think, around verse 9, um, Jesus talks about a parable where... <clears throat> So it's not a story of what exactly happened, but it's Jesus talking about the cultural perspective at that time. And he's telling them a story about a Pharisee which, um, who's going to the temple to pray. So Luke 9, or 18, 9. To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all that I get. 
So even though this was a parable, I really feel like it just spoke to, sorry, I'm just trying to get back to my, <clears throat> I really feel like it spoke to the cultural perspective at that time. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the people, for the Jews, that looked up to, they, that the Jews looked up to, to understand what the law was, how to behave, what was right, what was wrong, how do we act in life. And here, the message that they receive is that tax collectors should be looked down on. They should be seen as less of people because of who they were and what they did. And in general, they're sending a message that it's actually, there are people in general that are less people, that they are, they are not con considered worthy of being accepted. So I feel bad. I feel bad for Zacchaeus, which um, if you know me, and lots of you do, but maybe not that well, um, I have a really soft heart, so I, it's not hard for me to feel bad. I'll feel bad for anything, for anyone. It doesn't really matter. Um, but realistically, I mean, when you look at it, nobody um, gave Zacchaeus a chance. Nobody would have given him a chance in that culture to be anything different, to even try, um, because they wouldn't have even looked at him or spoken to him. At the same time, I don't blame them because I don't think any of us would really appreciate somebody taking our salary to pay their own when it wasn't actually due. So there's also that. But because of this way that people saw Zacchaeus is why it was so significant for Jesus to invite him to himself to Zacchaeus' home. So we're going to look a little bit more at Zacchaeus' the story to kind of look at why that was. First of all, Zacchaeus was so intent on seeing Jesus that he forewent what would have been dignified, considered dignified behavior at that time, and went and climbed up and sat in a tree. Um, he was curious, and that's it. He desperately wanted to see Jesus was, and he was just curious about it. He didn't actually expect anything from Jesus. I mean, how could he? He's hiding in a tree. And yet, lo and behold, Jesus stops right underneath his tree, and declares, Zacchaeus, you must come down immediately because I have to go to your house. There was a firmness and an urgency in the words that Jesus chose, and Zacchaeus was delighted, and he came down exuberantly to welcome Jesus to his home. I just want you to picture with me this. Pretend you're like Zacchaeus. You're Zacchaeus, okay? Nobody in your life wants anything to do with you. You don't have friends. Maybe you have a wife and a family, but that's probably pretty much it. That's your community. Nobody wants to look at you. Nobody wants to talk to you. They would say horrible things to you if they could, and maybe they do. And that's your life. Okay? There's a parade that's coming to town, and it's a big celebrity. Pick your favorite. I don't know who your favorite would be. Um, for me, I hate these questions. Um, I hate having to narrow down my choices. I like lots and lots of choice, but I've decided that because in every single icebreaker in life, when you meet new people, these questions come up, I should have some answers. So I have chosen Dolly Parton, okay? There are lots of reasons that I'm not going to get into, but if I could have dinner with any celebrity, I would pick Dolly Parton. So for me, Dolly Parton's coming to town, okay? Who's yours? So this parade is coming to town, and you're just trying to get your way through the crowd just to catch a glimpse. You know, you're just trying to get away. No one's going to part the ways or make space for you. They don't like you. But you're just getting there just to catch a glimpse. And here comes your celebrity down the street. And all of a sudden, they look over, and they see you, and they come, and they stop. And they look right at you. And they say, you, I have to come to your house today. I have to spend time with you in front of everybody.
When I think about that, I can't imagine the feeling of elation that Zacchaeus must have had. That for the first time in probably a very long time, somebody was looking at him and seeing him. Just like it would have felt like the lottery, like the, someone you've always just wanted to see, just even catch a glimpse of in real life, is there now standing in front of you, picking you out of everybody to spend time with. That's what Zacchaeus experienced. He didn't expect anything. He didn't even expect Jesus to look at him, let alone interact with him, let alone want to be his guest, like one of the highest honors of somebody of Jesus' standing. Someone was finally looking at Zacchaeus like he mattered. And what was more, Jesus didn't care who saw it. He didn't care who heard it. In fact, his preference was that everybody heard him speak to Zacchaeus this way, treat Zacchaeus this way. Just as they're going to go to Zacchaeus' house, the crowd starts to grumble and complain. They're making it very clear that they don't believe that Zacchaeus is worthy of Jesus' time. That there are so many other people that Jesus could spend time with that are more valuable and would be deemed more worthy of his time. But no. Jesus wanted and needed people to know that he was choosing Zacchaeus on purpose. Frank Gableine is a theologian. Um, and I actually borrowed his commentary from Greg to write this message. And he made the point that Zacchaeus' need to see Jesus was overshadowed by Jesus' want to see him. Zacchaeus' need to see Jesus was overshadowed by Jesus' want to see him. I think that's so significant because it didn't matter how much Zacchaeus felt a need or desired curiosity or even a want to see Jesus. Jesus wanted to spend time with him so much more than that. It was more important for Jesus to see Zacchaeus than it was for Zacchaeus to see Jesus. Jesus knew that he would be criticized for it, and he didn't care. What I think is also interesting is that he didn't make any excuses for Zacchaeus or any allowances for him. The crowd started to grumble and complain. If you look, I like the message version when I look at this, because I feel like it might actually really be how Zacchaeus would have felt and really explains, I think, the atmosphere of what it could have been like at that time. It says, everyone who saw the incident was indignant and grumped. What business does he have getting cozy with this crook? Zacchaeus just stood there a little stunned. He stammered apologetically. Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus didn't defend Zacchaeus when the crowd complained. He didn't make space for him and for the wrongdoings, the way that he was living his life. In fact, he just actually, it sounds like, let Zacchaeus sit in it. And Zacchaeus, I love that he just stammered, and he stood a little stunned. Like, I feel like maybe he was seeing his life through their eyes for the first time and understanding what it was that his lifestyle, the way that he was treating his own people, was doing to them. I think he was embarrassed, and I think he probably should have been. Like, it wasn't okay. The way that he was doing life wasn't okay. But immediately, and it's significant that immediately Zacchaeus looks to Jesus and tells him, already I give away half my income. In that instant, Zacchaeus' life was changed. And without question, he said, I'll do it. It's more important. I'll give half of it away. And it's also significant because the law only required at that time that Zacchaeus give back one 
times one-fifth of what he had cheated someone, and yet he's giving back four times the amount, going way above and beyond. Why? Because he'd had an encounter with Jesus, and because his eyes had been opened up to what truly mattered in the world. Like I said, Jesus didn't try to calm the crowd or make excuses or allowances for Zacchaeus' behavior, but he treated him still with dignity, respect, and love, and he allowed Zacchaeus to come to the conclusion on his own. He didn't throw his own sins in his face. He didn't come at him about his lifestyle. Instead, he just called him by name and treated him like he had significance. Now, I am a very firm believer that names matter and have significance. In my own life, I spent a lot of time considering the meaning of my own kids' names. I have three, four, three, and nine months. Um, And I wanted to give them something to really bless them with a name as they went forward in their life, Um, something that would just be strong for them and just almost like a word spoken over them. So you can imagine my hesitation when for our baby pool, which if you don't know, most of you probably do, but if you don't know, a baby pool is where all your friends and family get to pick guess the gender and the date of birth of your kids. So what Colin wanted to do was to have a gender baby, a baby pool, and then um, whoever won got to nickname our kids for life. And I was like, I have spent so much time thinking of something significant. Well, with Colin, I didn't just choose it. But, um, and I'm like, man, they could pick anything. What if one of our friends who like, has a little like, you know, funny humor picks something that I'm really not okay with? Or like, like you know, all, the, all these scenarios running through my head. And I'm like, ah, oh, this, could, this could go anywhere. But in the end, I thought, you know what, I don't have to call them that ever if I don't want to. I don't have to tell anybody after the first six months that that's what their name is. And also, it's just, it is kind of fun. So we went ahead. Um, and while for the first, for two of our kids, the names are actually quite insignificant. Um, they're just funny and humorous. For the third one, um, it was very significant. So Colin's coworker actually won for both my oldest and my youngest, Henry and Olivia. So for life, Henry's nickname is Chalupa Batman the Third. And for a little four-year-old boy who can't get out of his Batman pajamas, uh, who's addicted to superheroes, I think that this is actually going to be something he quite enjoys in his life. I don't know about Olivia because her name is Gordita Prometheus Mexi Crunch for life. So that, that is, that, that's just that. But for Sophia, our middle child, the couple who had nicknaming rights for her took almost a year to get back to us. They wanted to take the time to make sure that her name would suit her, would honor her and bless her. And after months into her life, we received um, <clears throat> an email from the couple. Sorry, I got to get this back. And they had sent us three names and a paragraph on each name and then, a, and then had said, this is what we think, this is why, but we actually want you guys to choose the name because she's your daughter and you know her best. And so her nickname became Gemma Jabawaki Twinklebell which also sounds kind of ridiculous, but when I look at it, they talked about it. Jabberwocky was talking about the fact that she was almost a year, so she'd be starting to jabber and talk and walk right now, and so just the Jabberwocky, um, just who she was, where she was at in life right now, and where that represents and where that takes her. The second was Gemma, which talked about um, precious gems, which came of our name, Larock, rocks, gems, and then gems are precious. She is precious. 
And then Twinkle Bell just came off of that with just how brightly they shine, how brightly gems shine, and how beautiful they are, and how radiant they are, and that they bring beauty and radiance to life, and that that was a gift that Sophia would be. And so even though it's a little bit of a still funny name, there was a lot of intentionality that went into it. So names matter. And I feel like just like that name had significance, and it was really thought out when it was given to her, Zacchaeus' name was the same. Zacchaeus' name had meaning too, and his name actually means pure of heart. The name Zacchaeus means pure of heart. And it may not be who Zacchaeus was for a time, but when he chose to partner with Jesus, he really walked into that name and he really owned it. I have to believe that God had such a hand in naming him at birth because God knew who he was creating when he made Zacchaeus. And he made sure to mark him with a name that represented who Zacchaeus was truly made to be. Jesus invited Zacchaeus into more, more of him, more in life. And he invited him to know and to understand what it meant to truly live. And Zacchaeus chose to accept that invitation. The final two verses of Zacchaeus' story, they share that Zacchaeus chose to walk into a life so much more abundant than his riches could have ever provided him. And if we look in verses uh, 9 and 10, get out of the message and back to the NAV. It says this, Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This verse is considered by a lot of theologians um, the cornerstone verse of Luke. Luke was a messianic gospel. Um, I mean, they all kind of are, but really Luke's purpose of writing his gospel was that Jesus came to seek, save, and find lost, lost things, lost people. And when you look at all the parables of the lost things, like it's, it is a very strong message through Luke. But here, Jesus is now in person. It's not just a parable. This is real life that he's saying, my purpose, my mission in life is to come and find people who don't know me, who don't have hope, and to bring them home and to show them that they matter and that I love them and that there is life in me. Jesus' actions that day with Zacchaeus, and in this statement, he sends a very clear message to say that his priority are the lost, the sinners, the unwanted, the disliked, the people who don't know him. I don't know about you, but sometimes I even look at people that I encounter and I feel kind of hopeless. Like, God, they are never going to choose you. Like, like I, it just seems obvious And yet, who am I to judge that? When I think like that, then I start playing God. And I decide for myself what God is and is not capable of, or what he does or doesn't want to do or accomplish. And I hide in fear because oftentimes speaking out and offering an encounter with Jesus means that we have to get uncomfortable. And we generally aren't. Or we are, but only to a certain point. And how do we know if we don't ever offer an encounter with Jesus what he's capable of or wanting to do? If we don't show up as Jesus with skin for other people and allow him to use us, allow him to use us to love the people, to show them that they matter, to give them a sense that they really do belong and that they actually have so much to offer. All too often, we judge other people by what we see or what comes out on the surface. We see something happen, or we might hear some gossip and believe it, and then mark that person by what they have done or what we think they might have done. 
Jesus looks at them and says, in spite of that, you matter. I came for you. You belong and you are wanted. I'm reminded of Greg's sermon a few weeks ago um, where he pleaded with us to choose to love people regardless of what was on the surface, stating that we do not know where their life is at. We do not know their story or what may have led them to be in the space they're in, behaving the way they are, or doing what they're doing. And that really, this is, that is the salvation story. It's why Jesus came and what he called us to, to love people well and to invite them into encounters with him, to be Jesus to people, regardless of what we see and regardless of what we hear. Jesus' priority was for the lost, and there is hope for each and every one. He didn't care who saw him reach out to Zacchaeus, and he didn't care who saw him love Zacchaeus or the woman at the well or the woman caught in adultery or Mary Magdalene, a prostitute. Instead, when questioned, he stood up to the bullies and the naysayers, and he said, actually, this is why I am here. I am here for them. I'm reminded from a scene of a scene from the movie, which was also based off a book called The Shack. And it's a story of a man who goes through traumatic loss um, and has an encounter with Jesus. And at one point, the man's name is Mackenzie. Mackenzie asked God, is there anyone that you're not especially fond of? And I mean, they had been talking about Mackenzie's life and the people in his life and, and everyone, oh yeah, John, I'm especially fond of that one. Or um, like all the people in his life who, that God was especially fond of. And so he just asked that. And with a little bit of thought, God looks at him and says, nope, I haven't been able to find any. I guess that's just the way that I am. That's just the way that he is. No matter what has been done or where someone is at, at all times, God is especially fond of that person, of you. What would it look like to be able to say that every, to every person that comes in front of you, I am especially fond of you? That no matter the circumstance, I mean, Mackenzie had had his little girl kidnapped and murdered, and still God was able to look at him and say, I am especially fond of the person that did that. Because he still saw the good that was in that person that he had put there. Because we are all created in God's image and God is inherently good. There is always good in us, whether we choose to show it, to embrace it, to walk in it. Zacchaeus' name means pure of heart. And despite his life, there was still so much good in there. And Jesus showed everyone at that time that no matter what, he was especially fond of Zacchaeus. Wherever you are in your life, Jesus is especially fond of you. He wants and needs to invite himself to your house today to spend time with you because you are significant and I just ask that please do not let any other voice than the voice of Jesus tell you what you're worth. Lean into him and ask him, Jesus, what name do you have for me? What is it that you see in me and what is it that you want to draw out in me specifically? In our lives, we can choose to be like the Pharisees in the crowd. We can condemn people to their faces and behind their backs. We can pretend that we're walking in righteousness and living like Jesus. 
but it can be just a lie if that's what's going on. It's actually the opposite of living out Jesus. It leaves us empty. It leaves others empty. I don't know if you remember what Jesus called the Pharisees, but there were times in his life where he was pretty bold and pretty blunt. And he said to them, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. I don't want that. I don't want to be dead inside, but look great and be hollow. I don't want to look great and be hollow. I don't want to feel hollow. And worse, I don't want to be the cause for somebody else to ever feel that way. When I look at someone, anyone, I want them to feel like I really am especially fond of them. And I want to show them who Jesus is, and I want to take Jesus' mission to help lost find life. People who don't have hope know that there is hope and there is more. So today as I close, there are two people that we can resonate with in this story, maybe both. We might resonate with Zacchaeus. Maybe we have something in our life that needs to change, that maybe needs an encounter with Jesus. Maybe we're living as though we're found, but we really aren't. And you can step into an encounter with Jesus, and you can make your life right at any time. For Zacchaeus, like his life was changed in less than five minutes. At least from the story, that's what it would seem, but it sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> But really, in less than five minutes, his life was completely changed. He was a brand new person. And that's something that Jesus wants to do in all of our lives, and it's possible. And it starts by knowing and understanding that Jesus is so fond of you, that he loves you so much, and that your life matters, and the lives of those around you really matter, and everybody has significance. We might resonate with the Pharisee as well. Have you been playing the judge or thinking that you've got your life together and looking down on other people who don't? I do sometimes. I don't even realize that I'm doing it. Or who don't seem to be following Jesus' plan. Have you turned someone away because you don't believe in their actions or they make you feel uncomfortable? When Jesus met Zacchaeus, he didn't excuse his actions, but something in the way that he treated him and loved him made space for a radical transformation. It's not our place to make that change happen. It's not up to us to love people only if that change will happen or only when they start to show remorse. It's our job to keep loving them no matter what and pray unceasing that they will choose Jesus and allow him to transform them and remembering how much Jesus loves them. So Dave is going to play a song for us. And I'm just going to... Pull this up. And while he is playing that, I just want you guys to be able to spend time with Jesus. <clears throat> and just um, ask him a few things. Look at it and, and figure out who do I resonate, maybe both. Where am I at in life? Do I need to ask forgiveness for someone, from someone? Do I have something that I need to make restitution for in my own life? Or ask him for a name, a name for yourself of how he sees you, like Zacchaeus was pure of heart. What are you? How does Jesus see you? How did he specifically make you and name you? Or there's someone in your life that's coming to mind right now and asking them for their name, asking him for their name. 
so that when they stand in front of you the next time, you can see them through the perspective of Jesus for how he sees them and made them and loved them that way. Maybe it will be easier. In this song, um, the final verse says, All ye lepers brokenhearted, come to the one who won't look away. All ye slain men in your grave clothes, he makes the dead things live again. That was Zacchaeus. He brought him back to life, and he wants to do the same for you. So just spend some time with Jesus and uh, see what he has for you. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. If you would like more information about us or find out ways to contact us, visit our website at www.beaverlodgealliancechurch.com. We pray today that you would experience the love, presence, and power of Jesus Christ and then make him known.